for me, uh, just cleaning up my diet, and I've learned more this offseason um, than I probably ever have about nutrition, sleep, wellness, all that stuff, but at the same time, I need to maintain my weight and be able to take hits, so there's a fine balance for every player. For me, I've definitely trimmed down on the body fat a little bit, and then I'll get a chance to bulk back up and um, before the season starts and be able to absorb the hits. Bishy, Bishy. Just happy to how the, the, week, the week turned out. I mean, on Monday, I just wanted to make the cut, and on Sunday, I wanted to win. So I guess it's, you have so much pressure in your body that you maybe you don't even know what you're doing. Bishy, Bishy. We chopped it up. I mean, he, it was never anything negative. Ryan's a good dude, and he had us, like I said, he had us over the house. Everything's cool, man. Bishy, Bishy. The cool part about um, to be able to almost start all over again is you, you're able to learn from your experiences of what's gone really, 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 really well. Learn from the experiences of, okay, what could we have done better? What could I have done better? And then also, too, with the opportunity to just continue to learn. Bishy, Bishy. Nothing's changed um, since his surgery. You know, we were where we were at before that, and then he got the surgery, so everything went on hold. I expect him at some time most likely to be traded, but uh, who knows? That's not a guarantee, and it's been exactly on hold when that happened, and when he's healthy, we'll see what happens. Bishy, Bishy. You just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Are we getting an NBA expansion team? <laughs> where are they going to play? So John Kenzano, who's in Portland, writes for the newspaper and has a radio show up there. Uh, yesterday, he said on the radio that the rest of the owners in the league are being told that Vegas and Seattle are the expansion targets targets so how would i'm curious what do you, what do you think the word target targets means, means there does that mean they've already decided to expand and now they're choosing cities and those are the top two or are they still deciding if they want to expand and they've kind of want to see what cities well, have to offer them i would think some of them already decided they want to because we talked about this before the money it's going to mean to them uh when they expand uh have they chosen the cities i mean I think Vegas is, in many people's minds, an obvious one. They have such a foothold here. Hmm. And yet some think that's a negative, that they're already here and they don't need to be here with a team. So I would think that I don't know if they've already decided to expand for sure, but my guess is there's a lot of support for it on the owner's side. I'm surprised. So, they, well, go ahead, Tyler. Sorry. The part on... Um, you know, do they already have a foothold in Vegas, and does that hurt Las Vegas? The, re the reason that it can is because one thing that Adam Silver has said a couple of times about expansion is, does it make financial sense? Do does a new market generate enough new revenue? That's the that's the that's really the only thing that they truly care about. Yeah, the money. When they sure. go to a new market, how much more money yeah. are they getting? And to compare. To compare it to the NHL, when the Golden Knights came here, they created new NHL fans. There are mm -hmm. people that were never watching the NHL, right. spending money on tickets or shirts or whatever, that are now spending money on the Golden Knights and the NHL. The big difference for the NBA is there are already a ton of NBA fans in Las Vegas. And if you put a team here, yes, you would create a new fan base. People would buy tickets or, or buy merchandise of the Las Vegas team. But those are people that might already be buying, you know, a Lakers jersey or shirt every year or NBA league pass so they can watch their favorite team in a different city. There are already a lot of people here that spend money 
on the NBA that if you put a team here, it wouldn't be as big of a jump as we saw in the, in right. the NHL with the Golden Knights because there weren't as many hockey fans here. So that's one of the main arguments where you can look at Vegas and say, well, we're already there in the summer league. People already care about our league there. So we don't need to put a team there because those people are already giving us money. We might make a little bit, but not enough to justify an expansion team. So that's where the whole idea of Las Vegas already having too much NBA would actually hurt them from getting an expansion team. Do you believe a city like Seattle, which lost a team, is that hungry to get it back? Mm. And that's why they would be, they're always mentioned among Vegas, they're always mentioned as the, you know, the city that you'd go back to, even though they lost a team? There's a couple things on Seattle. One, and this is what I don't know because I, I, I don't live in Seattle, I don't know how much people there care about the NBA right now. Like, did the NBA, like, almost completely lose that city, or did people still pay attention after losing the Sonics? I don't know that because there's a chance that people were like, well, screw the NBA, but once they get the Sonics back, oh, they're back in, and the NBA makes that money back. But the other parts about Seattle that are interesting, they already have uh, basically the the oh, – I think there's two different ownership groups and an arena there that they could play in, although one ownership group would want to build their own arena. But there's already potential ownership groups in place that have been trying to get this done. So it would be relatively easy. wouldn't take too long to go into Seattle. It's also a really big market. Like yeah. Seattle's not by any means a small market, so you're not really worried about that. And then the one part that I find interesting that I don't know that I've ever heard – Adam Silver say it. It's just always the context that Seattle's talked about. It's almost as though the NBA feels like they owe Seattle because the Sonics left and went to Oklahoma City, that it almost feels like the NBA owes Seattle a team and that that's part of the reason. Even though I think Seattle's fine and it's not going to hurt the NBA to go there, there's almost a level of sympathy to be like, oh, right, we, right. we, we yeah, screwed we, them. We screwed we you over, so we're going to come back to you. Yeah. So that's the other interesting part of Seattle. If Vegas gets an expansion team, who's the owner? Oh god. I hope it's Tim Lewicki because I think he's as legitimate as we've heard with this Oakview group building the arena. I mean, he's you know, he's got ties with uh with with um the the Lakers and the, and the Clippers and that building and he's done this before and I would hope it's him. I mean, some of the others we've heard, hello Jackie Robinson. Uh, that wants to build these supposed arenas around here, and it's never come off to fruition. Um, I would hope it's someone like Wiki, even more so than Bill Foley, to tell you the truth. Clarman. So <laughs> one of the problems for Tim Lewecki is I got to go find this interview. I think he did it with Sports Illustrated. He said he can't be the owner. For reasons of what? I think it's because he's involved in other venues that, and he can't, he'd be a conflict of interest or something like that. But I got to find that quote again, where he said he can't be the owner of an NBA team or even involved in the ownership group, which if that's the case, then he would just be effectively supplying the building they would play at. And right. for those of you that aren't aware, he's the guy that's planning to build a casino and a 20,000 seat arena out kind of by the South Premium Outlet Malls, and it would be ready for the NBA, but they're not saying it's well, for the NBA. You're saying he'd 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 build the arena, and then I wonder if he'd have a say in who the owner is. Right, and that's and that is always the interesting part about Las Vegas is that we have a venue in T-Mobile. Yes, but one of the things the NBA talks about is they want their owners to right. own the building their team plays in, and. 
that unless you know Bill Foley or MGM ended up owning the NBA team here, if it's a if it's just a random ownership group, they won't own T-Mobile Arena, and the NBA might look at that and say, well, that's not good enough for us. We'll go somewhere else. This would be a weird situation where would the ownership group have a stake in this new arena that's supposedly going to be built by Tim Lewecki's group? I I don't know exactly how that would work out, but I have to imagine. Again, we talked about it with Tim Lewecki. That new arena doesn't make sense unless they have an NBA team here. There are there are too many other arenas yeah, that are of the too same much competition size, for right? what you're talking about. And, and other venues that are closer to the strip than this one would be. It does not make sense to build that arena and come in and just, we're going to compete with all these other venues of the same size. It makes a lot of sense to build that arena if you know you're getting an NBA team there. It makes a ton of sense to do it then, but it doesn't make sense to do that without knowing there's an NBA team yeah. coming. So that's that's one of the key points that I always go back to with Tim Lewecki building this because he's been involved in the NBA, he's been involved in multiple sports, multiple arenas that he's like, it's pretty easy to look at and say, well, he's not a moron and he's got history with this before. Right. So like, it's almost like he's got to know that Vegas is getting a team or, or has a really good shot at getting to a, get team. a team yeah. in the near future. That to me is, is one of the big details, but here's the other part of this. John Canzano reports, you know, that expansion, we had Steve Sisolak on. We've had a couple other people tell us this, that it's much more likely Vegas gets a relocation team and not an expansion team. So that's another interesting part here where relocation, you know, would be the Pelicans or whoever. The Las Vegas Timberwolves. I am curious to know, like, if that's changed, if expansion is sort of more prevalent at the moment. Like, we went from saying, ah, expansion's less likely than relocation to, hey, Maybe the NBA is going to expand to Las Vegas. I mean, there's always teams, and you got the new ownership in Minnesota. What would Alex Rodriguez and his uh, hmm. his ownership want to do? Um, new Orleans. Uh, I wonder if there was an agreement. Um, wasn't there agreement, Tyler, when Glenn Taylor did that that they'd keep it in Minnesota, or is that even hmm. is that even plausible that you could make that agreement? Glenn Taylor said. I think he said something he to that. He said effect. there was going to be an agreement that it they couldn't not move in the, the team. Contract. Right. But everybody that everybody that's talked about it has said he can't do that. Like you can't, you, you can't, can't sell a team and force them to stay. Right. You can't give a team away and then say, "All right, but I still tell you what to do about right. this one certain issue." So he said that, but that would seem more to be just appease the people in Minnesota. Um, I don't know. Relocation would also make sense, but I don't know the exact answer here. And the the other detail on this, Mick Akers tweeted out yesterday uh, that a source told him that the expansion to Vegas and Seattle was false. Oh. Because of the rights deals? Uh, so the media rights deal, there were John Canzano, he talked about the media rights deals, which end after the 2024-2025 season, and that the NBA would expand after that. Um, which would make sense to, in, in regards to trying to make more money. Hey, we've got more teams, we've got more markets, so ESPN, TNT, give us more money on our TV deal. Right. Uh, but right. Uh, Mick Akers just said it was false, that, no. that that's not true at the moment. So maybe well, it's Well, Kinzana seems also to have wrong when the rights deal expires. If Mick's tweet um, is right, he goes, it's not in 2024, it's after the 2024-25 season. Yeah. Which eh, I don't know if that eh. makes a huge difference. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, we wait one more year basically right. at the end of the day. So I, we'll see. But I, 
I'm still saying, even after John Canzano saying that yesterday, I would still guess we're more likely to get relocation than expansion. Than expansion. Just because it makes it makes more sense for the NBA to hold off on expansion as long as possible. And if they're going to put a team in Vegas, it makes more sense for the NBA to put a relocation team here, not an expansion team, because they can put an expansion team in a different market that right. would probably make them more money. Seattle being one of them and then potentially finding another one that can make them more money with a new team. All right, coming up next, Sam and Ash join the show. They've indicated they want to continue to do some more questioning. And so that portion is still ongoing because as of yesterday, they felt like they hadn't gone through everyone. But ultimately what's going to happen is, is that I've always assumed all the publicity and everything. It's going to be very hard for the NFL to have the courage to do what I think should be done which is no fun. That all remains to be seen sometime this summer. Sorry to disappoint you, but I can't give you a timeline because I think that process will go f- forward. I think we're nearing the end of the investigative period. And then at some point, as you know, this will be handled by our disciplinary officer. And that will happen uh, hopefully shortly. And then we'll see where that comes out. Call Sam at Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. You're at the phone number on the website, 702-364. That's our phone number. I'm giving out our phone number instead. Ashlaw.com. <laughs> 702-824-1234 is the phone number. How are you guys today? Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Great. We're great. Uh, So the first story I want to start with is one here in Las Vegas where a basketball official, Perry Woodward, was attacked and had to be had to be sent to the hospital after he was attacked by a father and son after a game. And the scenario here was it was rec league basketball. He was not actually calling the last game. He was just sticking around to basically watch his friend referee that was calling that game. And afterwards, this father, son, and there's a wife involved were yelling at the other referee. And Perry Woodward in the parking lot sort of went out and sort of tried to break it up. And he says he got sucker punched, ended up getting punched by both these father and the son, was knocked unconscious. He woke up in the hospital afterwards. And a, uh, I guess, criminal standpoint, what ultimately would be the expected charges for a father and son that punch and knock somebody unconscious in a parking lot? Well, guys, I mean, I, I think I read that the father's already been expected to face charges with battery on a protected person. And then the wife and the son are also going to face uh, battery charges. So they're all going to get some criminal uh, responsibility on this could he and it was i believe it happened to Doolittle. you hear sometimes that when people are uh if he goes after them uh non-criminally but civilly uh that they name more people than just the people who maybe beat him up could he go after Doolittle? could he go after the facility in which it happened like how how many people could be named in this if this is what he chooses to do after the criminal parts taken care of Sure. So what's going to happen is, I mean, the criminal case is going to proceed regardless. And then if this referee, Woodward, decides to pursue anyone civilly for financial recovery, that he'll look at anyone that's potentially responsible or at fault for this incident. So, of course, the, the perpetrators, the dad, the wife and the kid, they're all obvious uh, defendants in the case. But you'll look at Doolittle. You'll look at 
any other organization that maybe was on notice of this type of behavior by this specific coach or other coaches that there were prior threats of violence, prior violent incidences with the referees, and they failed to protect the refs? Yeah, there's going to be some liability, and a lawyer will go through it and see what's gone on before and what responsibility any of these actors had to uh, provide a safer environment for this ref. But sheesh, what a thankless job, guys. So wait, we're not allowed to threaten refs anymore? What? Well, you can <laughs> boo them, but, I, you know, you can't really chase them down in a parking lot and then start throwing punches. Whoa, there. whoa, whoa, whoa. I said threat. The, <laughs> the phrase protected person, does that apply yeah. because he, how, how does that, how exactly does uh, that get defined for somebody? It's a great question. So a protected person is a, a range of people that uh, we've defined in our state. It's a, either like an officer, a firefighter, first responder, school employee, and sporting game official. And so, radio talk show host. Obviously. Or personal injury lawyer. That's right. <laughs> I mean, does that make it in terms of civilly or otherwise, is it more serious charges? Or if this happened to someone on the street, are they the same charges? Nope. It's uh, more significant charges if you batter or assault a protected person. So this is this is going to be a problem for these people. What, As far as uh, like if civilly suing for, for money here, obviously medical bills jumps out. But he said that he's going to retire from officiating after this does he have a, a case for suing for like lost wages because he's going to be done with his career because of this incident well yeah so you're going to look at how much money he was making over his past however many years five years of doing this referee and officiating and as a result of this incident He's unable to continue, whether it's due to the physical injuries to his ankle and his head, or if it's due to the emotional, mental damage, you know, the, the stress of having to go back and do this again. Um, yeah, he would be able to present the lost wages moving forward. Uh, next story, Colorado Avalanche uh, is working with the cops. Uh, star uh, Nazim Kadri was threatened. Uh, there was a play against St. Louis's Jordan Bennington, the goalie. They crashed into him. Uh, everyone thought it was a dirty play. Uh, we did not. Uh, so I guess not everyone, but we thought it happened in the process of a game. But the problem then then happened that, that uh, he received racist messages and threats following the play on the ice and the, over the weekend. Um, first thing on these threats when these things kind of happen, uh, we wanted to ask you guys, how serious, what kind of evidence do you need to show for the police to get involved? His wife sent out, uh, I believe, uh, Instagram posts of threats against him and what she said they were dealing with for 24 hours. Is that enough for police to be involved immediately? Like how, where does it raise to the level of the authority say, okay, we're going to get involved here. Well, one, one, they typically, I'll say this, they always get involved in higher profile or they seem to get more involved in higher profile cases, but the, the, the imminency of the threat, right? For example, if they were to, if they were to post his home address, on social media and 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 actually gives give specifics of what they were you know intending to do the more specific the more real the more likely you're going to get the police to, to to take action and to investigate it um, I, I think most people who you know have had someone threaten them online I know sometimes it's happened to us over the years you know we've got somebody who's upset that you know we've we've um, I don't know we've 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 represented one of our clients a little too well and the other side is not happy about it um 
that has happened and we've we've gotten phone calls and the police you know they'll take a report and they'll they'll take notes on it but they'll say you know it's not really something that we can we can do much with because it's not very specific and and we don't think that this person has the means to carry it out so what is the actual charge if if, if they decided hey this guy made a threat we think he can carry it out like what's the what's the actual charge somebody would get for just making that type of threat online well, it, it depends on the jurisdiction. Uh, so, so one thing that is going to be a major problem, I think, is if these threats are across state lines, because then you can get federal charges and you can even get terrorism charges. So you make terroristic threats if you're if you're intending to, uh, you know, if you're if you're saying things like I'm gonna I'm gonna blow up your house, I'm gonna blow up your family, and things like that. Um, which some of these posts, my understanding, are are, are along those lines. Uh, then yeah, you, you could actually face federal charge, be quite serious. I think some of the penalties are, are north of ten years. So you you know th- this this is this this can actually land you in quite a bit of hot water depending on the circumstances. Cadre said he believed Bennington threw a water bottle uh, as he was doing a post game interview. He can't uh, for discrimination or verbal attacks. Can he go after Bennington for anything on this? Or could like we were saying in the previous story with the referee? What about do the St. Louis Blues and that that building have um, uh, any kind of uh, liability? Well, I saw the interview where he's like, I don't know if he just threw a water bottle at me, but he laughs it off. I'm, he, so there really was no, it didn't actually hit him, or if it did, we don't, it doesn't appear that he sustained any injury from it, and he didn't seem to be very concerned about it. He kind of just chuckled about it and shrugged his shoulders and moved on. So I don't see anything between Kadri and Bennington related to that water bottle incident. So no, I don't, you know, and I'm with you guys. I saw the play, and it looked like just tough hockey so i don't i don't see the nhl really getting involved unless um this escalates further between the players or the organizations there's more water bottles being thrown then the nhl might have to get involved yeah um the we've got more details on the story of Dwayne haskins death who was struck by a dump truck on the highway in florida his blood alcohol level was between 0.2 and 0.24 uh, when they tested him, and as a result, this has been ruled his death has been ruled accidental. Um, as far as like what ends up happening here, does that sort of eliminate? I assume it eliminates all criminal charges, but does that eliminate um, like civil cases? Like, is there is there anything that can actually come from this now that it's been ruled accidental? Uh, it, well, an accident doesn't mean that you're off the hook civilly, right? An accident just means there's no, uh, no criminal, intentional criminal conduct. Um, so I, I look at this and I go, I, it comes down to the, the duty, every driver on the road still has a duty to avoid and take precautions from hitting you know, obstacles, right? And, for, and a guy run, you know, walking out in the middle of the freeway, I, it, if the dump truck driver was not paying attention, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I think there's still potentially some civil li- liability. If the dump truck driver's on his phone, he's texting and his head is down and he didn't see the guy and made no effort to swerve uh, and, and the, you know, in, in theory could have prevented this from happening, then the family very well could bring a suit. And especially in jurisdictions that recognize, uh, you know, a, a, a splits in liability where you can have shared liability among multiple parties. Um, comparative fault is what we call it in, in those jurisdictions. Absolutely, you could bring a case. Jared, oh, I didn't know we were going. I didn't know we were going to me right away. <laughs> All right, 
So I've been asking everybody this question, and I just need your uh, honest opinion. Would you vote for Guy Fieri for president? No. <laughs> I, need, I need him to be doing the more important work of diners, drive-ins, and dives. So, no, keep him there. Would you? I mean, yes. yes. in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. not even. <laughs> guy, guy sounds fun. Republican, no, I... Democrat, doesn't matter. Flavortown. Yes. <laughs> Flavortown, USA. Don't forget that. Exactly. That's right. It's important. Oh, All right. It's Savin Ash, SavinAshLaw.com, 702-820-1234. As always, guys, we appreciate it. Thanks, you guys. <laughs> Thanks. Talk Take care. Talk to you next week. So there is Salmon Ash again, 702-820-1234. Phone number, SavinAshLaw.com. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. The rules of Scrabble are simple. First, each player pretends to mix the tiles while trying to feel for the letter A. Bischoff's briefs. The game does not officially begin until one player reminds all the others that the first word scores double. That player is known as the Scrabble Jackass and is then handed the box top for any further rule clarifications. Bischoff's briefs. Players then take turns laying down words until someone does a bad job hiding the fact that they drew a blank. Bischoff's briefs. Upon seeing the blank draw, each player must make a bad joke about the tiles in their possession. Bischoff's briefs. Play continues until each turn takes longer than open heart surgery, and the game ends when one person uses the last of their letters. Even though at this point no one likes that person, they're still referred to as the winner. Bischoff's briefs. And that's how you scrabble. Bischoff's briefs today is giving you hot takes about UNLV basketball. And if you didn't think you were getting those in the middle of May, I don't know what show you think you're listening to. UNLV is going to play in the SoCal Challenge in San Juan Capistrano. Sounds delicious. And 23rd. That is Thanksgiving week. And UNLV will play Southern Illinois in the first game and then one of Minnesota and Cal Baptist. Uh, Last year... The SoCal Challenge had four teams. This is only the second year this tournament has existed. Last year, the four teams were TCU, Fresno State, Pepperdine, and Santa Clara. Here's your hot take for you. This is brutal scheduling for UNLV. UNLV has the ability to play in good non-conference tournaments. UNLV has the ability to play good teams in these tournaments. And this is not one that is going to help UNLV very much. Last year, looking at Ken Palm rankings... UNLV would be the best of the four teams in this tournament at 90th. Minnesota was 109. Southern Illinois was 125. Cal Baptist was 225. Uh, Brutal. Now, Ken Palm rankings change from year to year. Southern Illinois, Minnesota, even Cal Baptist could end up being much better than that. But most likely, UNLV is not going to play a single NCAA tournament team in this. Um, So they start off with Southern Illinois. And then they'll get one of Minnesota or Cal Baptist and your fingers crossed you win and you play Minnesota. Um, maybe that changes, but if I was willing to bet right now, none of these teams that UNLV will play are NCAA tournament teams. None of these teams are NIT teams. Maybe you're getting teams that are right around 90 in Ken Palm or something like that. That might be nice. Also, as a part of this tournament, because most of these non-conference tournaments have additional games added to them, UNLV is going to host High Point. High Point ranked 242nd in Ken Palm. So what you're looking at here for UNLV is basically three games that are not going to help them make the NCAA tournament. 
unless Minnesota or Southern Illinois suddenly becomes really good, these games aren't actually going to help UNLV make the NCAA tournament. So I'm not really a big fan of this because this season, and honestly every season, should be about getting back to the NCAA tournament. Last year, the non-conference tournament UNLV played, and they played Michigan and Wichita State. That was number 27 and number 94 in Ken Palm at the end of the year. The year before that, when they played in the Maui Invitational that wasn't in Maui, they played the 9th, 34th, and 70th best right. teams in Ken Palm. This tournament, it reminds me, Marvin Menzies last year, they went to Hawaii, not for Maui, and they played Indiana State and Bucknell, two teams that were outside the top 100. That year, Marvin Menzies, last year, their non-conference strength of schedule was 249 oh. in the country. That that can't happen for UNLV. Last year, their non-conference strength of schedule was 128, which is solid, but they need to be around, if not in, the top 100 for strength of schedule because they've got to find a way to play and win quality opponents, and none of these teams are going to give them quad one wins. They might not even be quad two at the end of the day. You might be looking at quad three wins, or if you lose one, quad three losses, ultimately. But there's your hot take. I'm also they're in the surf ice. division. They're in the surf division. There's a sand division. There's a which sand is and like, surf division from yeah, the SoCal sand, Challenge. Sand divisions where there's really bad teams, um, like High Point that they're going to play. So they get a. I, that's one of those situations where they're going to host High Point just to get through yes. a game in there. Yeah. So anybody that got, all all four team all four of the get good three. teams good in quotation marks, get one of the bad ones host one of the bad teams uh, before they go and actually play in this tournament. Now, here's why my hot take is currently an overreaction. These are three. I only know of four games on their schedule for next year. Maybe I've missed some, but it's these three, and they are going to play San Francisco as part of their deal. They played San Francisco last year. They host them then. this year. San Francisco was was twenty third in Ken Palm last year. I don't know if they're expected to take a drop off this year or not, but even if they do, they should still probably be around a top fifty team. That's a potential quad one, but probably guaranteed quad two game for UNLV. So. Of the four games we know, one should be good for the schedule in San Francisco. You hope two are okay in Southern Illinois and Minnesota. Like they're not. If you play those two teams, it's probably not going to kill your schedule. It just doesn't do much to help. And one is bad in High Point. What that means is UNLV has nine other games to schedule. So there are still plenty of spots for UNLV to add quality teams that help their strength of schedule, that help their uh, Ken Palm and net ratings at the end of the day, they still have nine spots. And if they come back and they have four or five teams that project to be top 100 that could be quad one games, then okay, the SoCal, the SoCal, SoCal Challenge. challenge. Eh, okay, yeah, it's fine. It doesn't matter too much that you're not playing great teams there. But if they come back and they've only got like one game on the schedule, two games that are potential quad one games then we're going to be looking at the SoCal Challenge saying they sort of missed an opportunity <laughs> to where they could be playing much better teams. I have one more note on this. I just laugh when you say SoCal Challenge. SoCal Challenge in San Juan Capistrano. This might be me overthinking this, but there actually might be a reason why this scheduling could be really, really good for UNLV. So stick with me for a second. Remember last year, UNLV went on a couple of different runs during the season where they blew out all of the bad teams they played. Right. Right. They, right. they usually would struggle against like teams they were projected to lose to. But when they played a bad team, they would crush them. Right. I mean, they would beat them by 30 or 40 points. 
and here's my thought process here, and I don't know if this is what Kevin Kruger's doing, but I would really respect it if he was. Ken Palm and net rankings, two of the main uh, analytics that the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee looks at. Margin of victory matters in those two rankings because they take your adjusted efficiency margin, which is just a slightly more advanced way to say they're looking at your margin of victory. So how that works is, for example, if UNLV were to play, let's say, uh, Kansas next year, UNLV would be like, I don't know, 15, 20-point underdog, something like that. If UNLV lost that game by six points, right, it's still a loss. You st- you don't get a win for it. But both Ken Palm and the net rankings would look at that and say, oh, UNLV played a lot closer to a really good team than we thought. And UNLV would get bumped up because of that. It works the, the opposite way, too. If you, Let's say UNLV, when they play high point, I don't know what the line, I don't know what the Let's uh, say 18 and a half. Yeah, let's say it's 18 and a half. If UNLV wins that game by 35, we're not really going to be impressed. We're going to be like, oh, they blew out high point. Good job. But Ken Palm in the net rankings, margin of victory matters. So if UNLV wins that game by 15, 16 more points than expected, UNLV will get a bump in that. They'll, Ken Palm in the net rankings will look at that and they'll say, oh, that's you're better than we thought, and you'll get a little bit of a bump. Now, it's still not as good as playing really good teams. That's still probably the best way to do it. But maybe, and I would respect the hell out of him if this is what he's doing, maybe Kevin Kruger is trying to manipulate Ken Palm and Net by playing more bad teams and planning to just beat the hell out of them and bump up your Ken Palm and Net that way. Well, as much as they as much as they study these things and as much as they have these things down to science, I wouldn't be surprised at all if what you're saying is true. Yeah. I don't and, think they just look at these things and don't have any research and don't know if you if you don't know Ken Palm and net ranking and everything about them, then you shouldn't have that job. You need oh. to know everything when it comes yeah. to scheduling nowadays because that's all that matters really, other than your win loss record, who you play, where you play them. That they need to know everything. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if what you're saying is what happens. Is yeah. what's and happening. I would, I would love that. Now there's obviously a risk, right? You play high point, you're favored, and by you lose, or you beat them by two. Right, right. You, right. you win by single digits. Right. Hey, you still got to win, but now that that's going to hurt you, right? You're going right. to drop some. So there, there's still a risk in it. But I think what we saw last year and this year's team is similarly constructed. They were extremely athletic last year. They didn't. They didn't always. It didn't always translate to wins against good team, but it did translate to blowing out any time they played a team that was athletically inferior to them. They pretty much stomped them last. year. That maybe he's trying to manipulate it. Maybe I'm just overthinking it, but I hope he is trying to manipulate it. And if it's he the first does, question for him when he comes on next time, <laughs> are the you first question for him: Are you manipulating the schedule? <laughs> hey, because that's a good thing. Is, I I am all on board. If that was the plan, if the plan was let's just play a bunch of bad teams, beat them by fifty, and we're gonna soar up these rankings, I'd be like, hell yeah! Like it's not as much fun for hell me yeah. to cover them playing high point. But I'd be very, I'd be like, that's something that I would be trying to accomplish there. So I'm on board. I hope he's manipulating it. But for the time being, I don't know that he's doing that. And I'm going to just still say, not a good enough schedule. Still say that the SoCal challenge is limited. San Juan Capistrano, probably not the best place to go to play good teams. Every time you say that, I literally am like, Hinipero Sarah. I'm like, I want a chicken sandwich. I have no idea why. We've got tickets to go see the Eagles.
Festival California Tour coming to MGM Grand Garden Arena on May 28th. That's in a couple of days. So if you want to go see the Eagles, 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. Jared, what number caller do you want to take? Let's take number 17. Number 17 at 702-364-1100. You'll win tickets to go see the Eagles. In the end, five starters combined for 18 points. That's an average of six points per starter. If that ain't pathetic, I don't know what is. It's actually, it's less than that. But anyway. You're locked in the press box. (laughs) Uh. Should I know an Eagle song? No. Okay, they don't sing the song Hotel California, right? Yes, they do. Who? I thought the Red Hot Chili Peppers sang that song. No. They sing a different... A lot of Red Hot Chili Pepper songs are about California. Hotel. No, it's the Eagles. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations to David. He's going to go David. see the Eagles. Yeah. I tried to tell Tyler in the break, but he ignored me. Good job, David. Um... Okay, so the, I, that's, I do know that song. I do know Hotel uh, California. They So famously, the Eagles are kind of like a crappy... Congratulations! Relations. No, no, not, not okay, not crappy. Okay, so anyway, they had a they had a, a guitarist that they fired and they replaced him with Joe Walsh, and Joe Walsh had to like learn all the songs that the Eagles had played in like one night, and he was listening to the songs and he went, "Oh my God, no wonder they fired this guy and replaced him with me. This guy's terrible." So anyway, yeah, Joe Walsh, excellent member of the the Eagles. So the bad guy got fired is what you're telling me? Yes, the guy who was incompetent got fired, but the new guy who was competent had to learn the bad guy's songs and was just like, this guy is terrible. Okay, all right. So there's the Eagles, Hotel California. Why can't Stephen A. Smith do anything close to good math? He's not paid for math, Tyler. He's not paid for numbers. He's paid to, like, build up and then explode with a take. Who who corrected him? Because I like that guy. It's even less than that, actually. I have no idea. Oh, okay. I didn't recognize the voice of whoever corrected. Him. I didn't yeah. either. It. I. Uh, my brain went Ernie, and I went. That's not 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 the same telecast, Jared. I'm I'm guessing he was talking about the Miami Heat after game the last game we had, where they had one point in eight minutes. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I I can't think of any other game where the starting five had 18 points. I don't. I mean. What a nightmare that would be for anybody. Like, But, hell, we'll probably see that again tonight somehow, except it'll be the Boston Celtics starting five that combines for 18 points. They'll suddenly not be able to dribble. Yeah. Ed, who wins tonight? Who won last game? Boston. All right. Then Miami wins. How about 25? 25? Okay. What day is uh, it? It's May 25th. We should also make point. Maybe we'll talk about this tomorrow. Uh, John Gruden's in court today. Oh, we should ask Sam and Ash. Yeah, he's in court today. Uh, His lawsuit against NFL commissioner. This is when it's decided if this case will go to arbitration or heard a trial. So oral arguments are expected to be heard in front of Judge Nancy Alf today in Clark County uh, Judicial Court. So he will be in court today. And then we will find out. I don't know if the judge will make a decision today or not. Perhaps she will. uh, Yeah, I was going to say, do we know if it's a one-day decision? Well, I mean, she's literally just deciding. She's going to hear hear, uh, arguments, and then she's going to decide it's going to arbitration or we'll have a trial. So that could probably be something done before she even adjourns, right? I mean, she hears it, and she just say, no, it's not trial, or we're just going to arbitration. 
I'm guessing the NFL hopes this goes to arbitration. I would and Gr- guess and Gruden that's is true. fighting for the opposite. Yes. Gruden really wants us to go to a trial. Yes, I would guess you're you hit it out of the park. Yeah, there. yeah. I yeah. wonder if it went if it went to a trial. Is there any way the NFL would have to publicize other people's emails? Because that's been John Gruden's entire Discovery. argument. He's he's never said that I didn't say those things. John Gruden's yeah. entire argument has been, well, other people said it too. So I do wonder if it went to a trial, would there be a level if they would have to publicize other emails? But there's like hundreds of thousands of emails. So I don't I don't know how that works. You would you would literally, and I think Sam and Ash would probably get it. Would be better representatives on this, and maybe we can text them and ask but uh you would bury them in discovery if you're the nfl oh you would literally yes. send them yes. so many folders and files of full emails. of just crap yeah that they would have to go through that eventually it would not be worth the money for john gruden to do anything but settle if it was a trial do they want fernando on the jury yes because who because who would fernando <laughs> side with he hates everybody yeah, would he would he side with the NFL or because he hates who he calls the faders? He says, "Yeah, I'm going to give Gruden some more money because I don't like the faders." So let's give Gruden uh, even more money than he already has. All right, very very important way to end the show here. Willie Ramirez just texted me that he got an update on Deuce Gruden. He will probably be competing in nationals on June 10th. Okay. All right, Ed. Put, yeah, I have to, I have get to him on another, the show. I have to make another uh, request, right? Yeah, put it. We got to make sure we cover that June 10th Nationals Deuce Gruden powerlifting. The Deucer? I can't wait. Live right, updates. Yeah. Live updates from the yeah. powerlifting I championships. Mean, what What else would we want other than that? <laughs> I mean, last year we did it. I'd want an interview. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll see about that. <laughs> Good luck interviewing the coach tomorrow at OTAs. That's the real thing you need to worry about. Who are you talking to tomorrow? Coach. You figured that out yet? I, I get, I'm guessing uh, the coach and the quarterback and some other people. Okay, but, but I don't know who the other sure people yet? are. I don't know who the other people. Okay. No, we haven't seen anything. We haven't seen. Anything. Okay, all right. So you're going to show up, and it is going to be Deuce Gruden and yes, McDaniel's Daniel and Carlson. Carr. Yeah, that's the you're not getting the quarterback, not getting the coach. Although the kicker's fun to talk to. I'd rather talk to them, honestly.